Gentlemen and everyone in between. Hey. Hey, my name's Ivan. I'm Stephen. And you're on Bidwabas for another week, also known as But I Don't Wanna Be a Secondary Character, a Seinfeld podcast about the beloved secondary and minor characters of the awesome hit sitcom from the 90s. And boy, Stephen, this week we're at our 29th episode ever. 29th. 29th, yeah. I know. Next week is What's the Deal With? Mm. It's our 30th episode. We're going to talk about the uh, the Yankees stuff. Yeah, week, the, so. the, the Yankees, I guess you could say management. Yes, that's right. Steinbrenner, Morgan... Wilhelm, they're all be, they'll all be there. Yeah. It'll be great. Yes. But this week, however, we're going to Season 6, Episode 16, with a very good episode, in my opinion, Stephen, The Beard. Yeah, I picked this one. I really mm. like it. I feel like it's a underappreciated episode. I think so, too. You know, you wouldn't... I mean, obviously, uh, Elaine has the main story here, you know, trying to convert Robert, the gay guy, the gay mm. character. Trying to get him to switch teams. Switch teams, yeah. But, you know, but he's so used to his equipment that he wants to stay on... His He's team. comfortable with his He's equipment. With his equipment, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. El- Elaine, you know, tries to get him to, to switch teams because they need a. I think it's a starting short, a shortstop. Starting shortstop. Yeah, that's yeah. something like that. Yeah, I don't know much about baseball, but mm. but yeah. we all know the euphemisms. First yeah. base, second base. Some good base. euphemisms in this um in this uh, in this episode. Some good analogies. Yeah, but this episode definitely hit a home run for me. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it covered all the bases. Oh. Yeah. Strike. 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 Oh, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> Three strikes and we're out. We'll, just, we'll, just, we'll just stop talking. We'll be like, okay, we bid, we'll bask. See you in a month. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah, we're going to take a self-imposed exile for a month for our shitty puns. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and if you haven't followed us on social media yet, why haven't you? We're at Bidwabas, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'd love for you to subscribe and also check out what we're up to on the socials. And we also have a website and email, Steve. Yeah, we do. Our website is bidwabas.com. And uh, if you want to say hello, our email is bidwabaspodcast at gmail.com. We're also available on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. So rate us, review us, uh, spread the word, subscribe, Uh, all of that. Uh, or one of those things, uh, or many of those things, whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. It's all good. It is up to you, of course. Now, Stephen, every week, my man, the Anchorman, Stephen, he uh, has some Seinfeld news and some very juicy news articles this week. Some very, very juicy nuggets. Yeah, one which I read earlier today, and I uh, I thought, oh, Steve, this would be an interesting one to report on. Yep. Yeah, but anyway, let's get into it. Seinfeld news for another week. So, uh, last week, uh, Jerry did an interview uh, as part of the New Yorker Festival, which is just a cultural festival held every year in New York, uh, obviously put on by uh, New Yorker magazine. Um, and it was a really long interview, actually, and in it, about three or four juicy tidbits came out. Yeah, very, uh, you know, it's a very shocking things, you know, like things you wouldn't have expected. It's like, yeah. On. Yeah, that was, yeah, I read that article too, and that was very, uh, very interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing that came out of it um, or at least the most uh, reported thing that came out of it uh, was him talking about, uh, I guess, you know, some of the show's ideas and themes and, uh, like, comedic ideas. 
you know, if they were to redo them in, in, in today's time, whether they could get away with them or yeah, not. Yeah, of course. And it focused on uh, the, uh, the Sagast or Indian. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can see the controversy behind that, especially with the Native American, you know, the puns. Yeah. It's like, oh, I made a reservation. And then Jerry's like, oh, yeah. let's bury the hatchet. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Jerry. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think the intent when it was written was to further stereotypes or to offend, you know, American Indians. But I can see how it would be deemed insensitive to yeah. those people. Yeah, you know, of course. Fair yeah, enough. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just in case you haven't seen that episode, just to give you a very brief summary, uh, basically uh, Elaine is... Uh, sorry, Jerry buys um, like a... Like a human-sized uh, cigar store Indian yeah. statue. Yeah, for his as... Native American girlfriend as a gift. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and she, it... obviously she takes it the wrong way. He, like, he, he's, he has the good heart, but she doesn't accept it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's sort of, you know, the episode, the, the comedy of the episode is based on the tension of yeah. him, like, being sort of yeah. seen as, like, racist or in, in, <laughs> in, insensitive to her. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, and, and uh, they also use the term Indian giver. Indian giver, yeah. Which, which is, is considered derogatory. Yeah. Because um, it was used by white settlers back in the day. It sure was. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and he was asked, you know, like, could you or would you do that now if, if you were making the show now? And I don't think it was a matter of desire. I think it was just a matter of what would be deemed socially acceptable and he wouldn't do it now because no. it would be deemed offensive. It makes perfect sense. And I think there's a few other episodes of Seinfeld. I can't mm. think of any off the top of my head, but yeah, they pretty much fall in that category as well. Especially yeah. even, even, but not really the episodes per se, but maybe just some... Some content. Some content, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think some of them would be a bit questionable in this day and age. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We actually talked about that maybe five or six episodes ago. There was a article, I think it was on the AV Club, and it talked about basically 90s sitcoms and how... Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. I think yeah. it was a Guardian article. Oh, was it? It was the Guardian, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely like a left-wing publication. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they talked about, you know, like how Apu in The Simpsons furthers, you know, Indian stereotypes. And, yeah, you know, like some, some, they raise some good points, but we don't agree with all of it. Yeah, of um, And I guess this is kind of in line with that, mm. you know, those ideas in that article. Yeah. Um, in the same interview uh, at the New Yorker Festival, he also uh, expressed regret about, um, I guess, the final episode, the finale. Yeah, which many of us do. <laughs> but I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Curb Your Enthusiasm kind of did like a fictional Seinfeld reunion. Mm. You know, they incorporated that into one of the Curb episodes in yep. the previous seasons. So they kind of made up for it. Okay. Some some Seinfeld fans say that that's the true finale. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I still haven't seen that episode. I should actually watch it, even just for that scene. Yeah, I think it's on YouTube even. Okay. You can find it, yeah. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give it a go. Mm. Um, he did say when he was expressing regret about the finale, he said, and I quote, there was a lot of pressure on us at the time to do uh, one big last show. Big is always bad in comedy. Um, he feels that they could have that they were a little too ambitious, um, and he said that you know. And I guess this is in line with his style. Comedy should be small and cheap and quick. Uh, that's why TV is always funny. The movies because you don't have that much time and that much money. Yeah, it's very interesting too because Larry David came back from you know mm. his hiatus and he wrote the finale. Didn't he sort of write it as more of a consultant, or did he? Was he? Is he considered the writer of the episode? I don't know. I, I okay. thought he was the writer, but he was probably just a consultant, maybe. I'm not sure. I think he had a big hand in, in the script. Okay. I'm quite sure. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I heard he came back just for that episode or for okay. that double episode, yeah. Uh, actually, I think I'm conflating two facts. I think he <laughs> acted as a consultant in, like, season seven and eight. Yeah, yeah. And he still played Steinbrenner. That's right. voiceover, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but he didn't actually write any episodes from start to finish. Yeah, but there you go. At least, you know, in hindsight, Jerry understood, and he's like, oh, we could have done better. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, and in the same interview, he also uh, talked about um, uh, his 
uh, Comedians and Cars get, uh, episode where uh, he rode around with Barack Obama. There, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, he considered it the greatest moment of his life. Um, <laughs> nice. And he, in terms of nervousness, he compared it to his first ever appearance uh, on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson oh, back in yeah. 1980-something yeah. around My there. next guest tonight is young man from New York. Yeah. Jerry Seinfeld, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Famous yeah. clip. Yeah. Yeah, um, and he... <laughs> he I thought this was pretty funny. He said he would never do it with Trump because you have to have some sort of comedic credential to be on the show. Oh, but he is a comedian. He oh, makes well, us laugh. In well, he's, a cl- he's a clown. He's but a he's, clown. He's, he's, yeah. not, he's not, you know, I don't think he's got a sense of humor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was all that sort of really came out of the interview. Some really interesting points. Um, last week as well, we mentioned that uh, last, well, we published last Wednesday, but we announced that uh, it was it was announced that Seinfeld would be the main guest on uh, last week's episode of the Stephen Colbert show. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and in that interview, uh, the, the subject of Bill Cosby and his, I guess, comedy influence was brought up. Mm. Um, and he, re- he, I guess he revealed that he can no longer listen to, to Cosby's work, um, obviously given the, the many sexual assault claims and rape yes. claims leveled at him yeah. in the last few years by... You know, fifty or more women. Because he did mention a few weeks ago that he admired Bill Cosby's work, and then suddenly he's had a, an about face because of yeah. these, these allegations. Yeah, yeah, and and quite, Col- quite a contrast, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And Colbert sort of asked him, you know, like I, I can't remember exactly how he how he phrases it, but you can see Jerry sort of reflecting on 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 Cosby's uh, accusations and how that affects his his appreciation of him throughout the interview. Yeah, yeah. And he sort of he he changes, you know, like within half an hour of sort of like you know he can separate. Cosby and his work, you know, the human and the art, I guess. And then towards the end of the episode, he basically says, I can't separate them. It's permanently tainted and I can't listen to him or or appreciate him in the same way. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting to see that mental process throughout the interview. Of course. Yeah. Um, Another thing, this is not about Jerry, funnily enough. Jeez, non-Jerry news. Non-Jerry news. (laughs) So um, Keith Hernandez, who was a baseball player uh, in the 80s and 90s, he appeared in... The Boyfriend Parts 1 and 2. That's right. That's right. I actually watched that the other day. (laughs) It's a good episode. (laughs) Yeah. Or good, or good, good two-parter. Yeah, yeah. So he actually, in an interview with uh, with a site called The Herd, he revealed basically how he got involved on the show. So Seinfeld um, is obviously a big New York Mets fan, um, and he called Hernandez uh, Hernandez's Hernandez's yeah okay agent at the time. His name's Scott Boris. Yeah, uh, basically to try and get him to guest star because he loved him as a baseball player. Um, and Hernandez had never really heard of Seinfeld. Of course, I think yeah. he might have heard of him, but he didn't really know much about it. It was a fledgling comedy, basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. Was that season three? I think it was three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess it was just starting to, to you know, to, to ramp traction. up. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and Hernandez actually said, "What's that? What is Seinfeld?" Yeah. Um, but <laughs> what made him decide to do it was when his agent told him that they pay him fifteen thousand dollars. Fly him out first class to LA for a week and put him up in a nice hotel. He was all. He in. was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we'd all do it. Fuck it, I'll do it." Yeah. I wish I was Keith Hernandez. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he was we probably could. probably financially pretty well off anyway. Oh, but, well, but you get fifteen freebies. grand. No, that's not yeah. bad. Yeah, I'd do it. Yeah, and you get to be on a on a high rating show. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, and apparently he um he never really acted before. He was super nervous. So instead of just learning his lines, so that he could actually um you know so that his lines came across, he learned everyone else's. He learned he learned everyone's <gasps> everyone's lines. <laughs> yeah, he sort of just he overcompensated yeah. for his nervousness. That, that, that removes the element of surprise. You yeah, know, you're not meant to know people's lines. Yeah, you react. That's if you're true. a good actor, you react in a certain way. Yeah, I guess yeah. he's he's not he's really not known for react. his acting you know, credits. He's a baseball player. <laughs> yeah, <No. laughs> put and, put yeah. put you know put Jason Alexander out on a baseball pitch. I don't think he'd do too well. <laughs> no, so you know not but, bad. But George gave them uh, cotton 
cotton, the Yankees' cotton shirts instead That's of polyester, true. wasn't it? That's true. Yeah, yeah. But then they get sweaty and That's it right. sort of it works against him. It does. Yeah, no but worries. in the episode uh, where he, he stops think, uh, thinking about sex and he actually uses his brain, yeah. he becomes really smart. Yeah, yeah. And he the just abstinence, walks, isn't it? Yeah, the abstinence. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And he walks out to batting practice. And he, he, he basically picks up a bat and he's like, you know, it's got nothing to do with like skill or whatever. It's all basic like physics. Yeah. And he just like, just slogs these home runs. Yeah, I, know, you know, I know. You know, based on, yeah. So I guess he did give them a lot. Give them a lot. And if you, we haven't done the Cigar Store Indian or the Boyfriend yet uh, on our show. Mm. If you want to hear them soon, we don't really have them planned for the near future. But if you want to hear them soon, hit us up, send us an email, drop us a line on socials uh, if you want it. If you want us to review the secondary characters, even Keith Hernandez early. Let us know. Yeah, and that applies to any episode. Yeah. If you want us to do any episode that we haven't done so far, have a look through and see what we have done. Yeah. Um, and every fifth episode is a What's the Deal with episode where we talk about a major secondary character. That or is characters. Deser- characters. <laughs> that is that is or are deserving of their own episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, if we haven't done it, just let us know and we'll, um, we'll add it to the list and we'll probably do it sooner rather than later. That sounds good. Yeah. Any other news, buddy? Yeah, one last piece. So yeah. way back in season our season one sometime, it was reported or revealed that uh, Steve Bannon, who was uh, Trump's former, I think, chief strategist. Yeah, yeah. In the 90s, before he got into politics and, and media, I think he was like a day trader or like yep. involved in, in finance somehow. And he had shares in Castle Rock Entertainment, didn't That's he? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think this was actually part of the same New Yorker Festival interview. Um, the interviewer asked him, how does, he asked Jerry, I should say, how he feels about, you know, Steve Bannon, who's a controversial figure, to say the least. Uh, profiting from from uh, from Seinfeld in the nineties, yeah, yeah, and Jerry basically said, "I I can't really have any hard feelings about it because he was a faceless investor. Yeah, he was a nobody mm-hmm. at that time. Maybe in the finance world, he was a somebody. Yeah, maybe. But Jerry had no idea who he was, and you know, it was the business side of of the sh- you know he was concentrating on creating a good 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 series. He had no idea about business ownership or the corporate side of, of the industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and he was part of dozens of investors who were all involved in that trade or series of trades. And yeah, like he, he doesn't hold it against him personally. No, why would you? Yeah, there's such a, a, there's such a person, disconnect. Yeah, a reasonable person wouldn't have hard feelings. No, no, yeah. no. And it's not like Bannon targeted Seinfeld for any reason. It was just it was just a way to make money. Yeah, pretty it much. It was just a, like an impersonal trade. Yeah, and Castle Rock were going up with Seinfeld at the time, and uh, he struck while the iron was hot. Basically, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that's his job as a trader, to, to make money for him and others. So. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, and that's all the Seinfeld news this week. Excellent. Good work, Stephen. And if you have any news bits that we've missed or something from, you know, any actor from Seinfeld, whether secondary or major, let us know. Maybe we missed it or, uh, you know, maybe, you know, you found it somewhere and you want us to report on it. Yeah, I do a bit. I Every week I do a pretty uh, deep dive into <laughs> mostly Google. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I have missed, missed bits. So, yeah, if you know of anything, let us know. Yeah. Hold on to your beards, but not the ones on your face. We're talking about <laughs> Season 6, Episode 16 today and the beard and the secondary characters that make it an awesome episode. We'll be back. Hello, folks. Matt McCoy here, a.k.a. Lloyd Braun from Seinfeld. And I'm telling you right now, I do not want to be a secondary character. Do you see the irony here? You're rejecting somebody because they're bald. So? You're bald! No, I'm not. I was bald. Well, Yo!
welcome back to but i don't want to be a secondary character a seinfeld podcast about the secondary characters of our much beloved show seinfeld yeah uh, boy i was channeling my inner public enemy yeah you're with steven and you're with terminator x yeah, boy. Yeah, no, you're with Ivan. Yeah, flavor, flavor, flavor. Flavor, flavor. Yeah, flavor, yep. flavor. The, yep. big, the big clock on his neck. <laughs> it just reminds me. There's a clock over there. <laughs> there's a clock, <laughs> and then he's yeah, and then flavor, flavor's like there's a clock over here, boy. <laughs> I can imagine like he was maybe maybe the guy at the airport was pointing to flavor, like <laughs> yeah, flavor, flavor just yeah. flown in from like a tour. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and he's got the big clock on, and the guy George is like, you know, do you have the time? And he's like, there's a clock over there. I'm surprised. I was but like, out of out of scene, flavor, flavor was like picking up his bags or something. <laughs> I'm surprised. I was like, no back. Beat behind it was like there's a clock over there. There's a clock over there. That'd be cool to sample that into a song. <laughs> yeah. There is a DJ, I think his Danish DJ Seinfeld. Yeah, We've mentioned yeah. him a few times. You've gone to his gig, didn't you? Uh, I was going to, oh, but I didn't let him go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was in Australia like a few months, maybe four mm, months ago. June? Yeah, June, June July. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I was gonna go, but I didn't end up going. Um maybe we should contact him and tell him to, to sample there's a clock over there <laughs> just put like a backbeat behind it yeah I think he's more of like a house producer so it'd be like oh, you yeah. know like yeah I don't know I can't I can't beatbox techno beats nah, I can't I can't either sorry if you're a beatboxer my yeah. condolences I, yeah. I mean I'm, I'm sorry my condolences I mean I apologise for what <laughs> yeah. I've done yeah yes I've ruined two apologies heart. there and, and the hip hop I've just destroyed the whole yep. culture yeah yes anyway we're not talking about hip hop today that'll be uh, another podcast yeah maybe <laughs> maybe we'll see we're talking about the beard and not the one on your face season 6 episode 16 quick episode synopsis this episode first aired in the US on February 9th 1995 directed by Andy Ackerman written by Carol Leifer Elaine goes to Swan Lake as a beard for a gay man named Robert, played by Robert Mailhouse. I'd never heard of this term before. Like, mm. like, like that—that's what you call a woman who pretends to be um, someone you know, like a girlfriend behind or, the homosexuality. Yeah, I'd never, never heard yeah. of that term before. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I, I didn't know that either. Mm. Because I always thought, because this episode I haven't seen in a long time, I thought maybe yeah. there's like a beard, beard. But yeah. then I remember there is a plot where Elaine tries to convert a gay guy, and I thought, yep. oh shit, this is the one. Mm. This is the episode. Yeah, you know? it's yeah. yeah. I mean, it it's obviously it's a commonly used term, but yeah. it's it's a it's a very obscure term to title an episode. Usually, the reference is really obvious. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the abstinence or whatever. Of course, of course. Um, oh, yeah. the puffy shirt. The puffy shirt. Yeah, <laughs> our namesake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So his name's Robert, who believes that his boss is homophobic. Later, Elaine talks to Jerry about how nice Robert is and if it's possible to get him to change teams mm. to Jerry's disagreement. Meanwhile, George is still wearing his toupee he bought an episode or two ago, and everyone but Kramer I think hates it. Was it was the scofflaw. Oh, a scofflaw, yeah, yeah, that's the one. The episode between this was a 100th episode. Oh, yeah, the, the 100th episode. Clip yeah, yeah, and it special. was like a clip show. That's right, yes. So it was the scofflaw, yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah, everyone but Kramer hates his toupee. Kramer tries to set up a date for George, but as he doesn't have a picture of George's potential date, they go to a police station where a sketch artist named Lou, Jerry Diner, can draw them a picture. Kramer gives leftover Chinese food to a homeless man, John Grease, and Jerry has his eye on Sergeant Kathy Tierney, played by Catherine Lanaza. On the way back, Kramer argues with the homeless man, and he can't retrieve his Tupperware container from him. Elaine goes on another date to attempt the conversion. Elaine throws George's wig out of Jerry's apartment window in rage, and afterward, she invites Robert to her apartment. After one fling with Elaine, Robert decides to stay gay so he can have access to his equipment. Yep. Yeah, Because they're comfortable. He's comfortable with his He's equipment. Yeah, yeah. Well, yep. I mean, we need someone, and plus, I love when Jerry says to Elaine, but we need someone like you on our side. Mm. You know, there's mm. always room 
in our team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And in a nice, uh, a nice scene that ties together two of the stories, uh, the homeless man's walking along and he finds George's toupee. That's it. And he puts it on his head and mm-hmm. he's very, very happy and yep. he walks off <laughs> and I love to, how he to wears, a better future. Yeah. And I love how he wears it in the end credits yeah. when, he, when he fingers Kramer as like a robber. He's like, yeah. yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. yeah. The tall one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, George meets his date, Denise, Joan Shecky, credited. She's actually credited as Joan Elizabeth in this episode. Okay. Yes. Uh, she wears a hat to hide her baldness, which disgusts George. Kathy asks Jerry to take a lie detector test to confirm if he watches Melrose Place, another NBC show. Hmm. Remember we spoke about Mad About You and Friends? and how they're uh, aligned in the same NBC cinematic universe last I think week. It, I think it is. Is Melrose Place NBC? I, I know it was the same company as 90210. Oh, okay. I, I can't remember if that's NBC. Oh, okay, fair enough. I thought, yeah. I figured because they were on the same network, you know, because Jerry, you know, they used like mm. the Melrose Place music and stuff. I figured maybe yeah. they're... Maybe. I don't know. I, yeah. Uh, I'm sure it'd be know. easy to find out, but yeah. I don't care enough about Melrose, Melrose Place to go to Wikipedia. <laughs> no, nah, I remember it was on Channel 10 in Australia, mm. prime time. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I'm pretty sure it had the same, it was a shared universe with 90210 because there were a few character crossovers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Jerry cracks under the pressure of the lie detector test and confesses to the fact that he listens or watches Melrose Place. And he knows it very, very uh, well. He knows a lot about yeah. it. I, I don't remember many of the names, but it's like, oh, Bruce, why had Bruce left Kimberly for? Trace for Stacy. Why he's, he's such an a, idiot? He's yeah. an idiot. He's a bad guy. I yeah. can't. There's, there's too much for me. And he walks off. Yeah, he storms out. It's awesome. And as I mentioned before, at the end credits, Kramer gets recognised by the homeless man as a jewellery store robber in a police lineup. Yep. Yes. There Pretty you fun. go. Really in, good. Yeah. Good and good one. Yeah. And I love how, like I said, how he's wearing his toupee. Yeah. It's awesome. I, I love the scene where um I think it's the second time that Kramer lines up. And he's trying to like sort of subtly suggest that the guy next to him is the guilty one. Yeah, yeah. To whoever the person is looking through the window. Yeah, yeah. That's and he's it. like, you know, sort of doing the side eye, like it's him, <laughs> it's him, him. And the guy looks up at him and he like turns back straight. You know, he's like, nope, not me. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen you before. Yeah. Hey, I haven't, I haven't seen you before. <laughs> First time. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about some characters. Oh, before I do, uh, just a couple of other secondaries who appeared on the show. Okay. Uh, other secondaries include Mr. Stevenson, Edward Winter, and his that's um, Robert's boss, mm-hmm. and Mrs. Stevenson, George Ann Johnson, and Gus, uh, who took Jerry's polygraph test. He's played by John F. O'Donoghue. And uh, basically, uh, the only trivia I have for this episode is a beard is a slang term describing a person who knowingly or unknowingly dates someone to either conceal infidelity or one's sexual orientation. There you go. Mm. I have an extra point. uh, Because Elaine and Robert go and see Swan Lake, Mm. uh, Swan Lake, I'd heard of it before, but uh, apparently it's a Russian ballet composed by... Tchaikovsky. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. uh, and he also composed Sleeping Beauty and The Nutcracker. There so you go. pretty prolific dude. Indeed, yeah. yeah. R.I.P. Shiko. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Should we get into the? You're just like, shut up, man. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I just don't know what to say to that. I'm like, he was around 150 years ago. Yeah. He's going to be dead. He was a cool dude. Yeah. 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 He was like Putin, you know, riding on his bear without mm. a shirt. Yeah. You know? Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's how I see Tchaikovsky. He's like Swan Lake, man. Sure. Mic drop. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it too. Yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll share that impression. Anyway, Bidwabar, secondary characters of Seinfeld, Stephen. Shall we commence with Robert? We shall. Yes. Played by actor and musician Robert Mailhouse. He was a regular cast member of Days of Our Lives from 1990 to 1992. He was also known for Sports Night and Some Kind of Beautiful. And Stephen, before we started airing this episode, you told me that he was part of a, a band from you know, formed by a famous actor. Yeah, so he played drums in a band called Dogstar, who <laughs> famously, uh, they weren't ever well known for their music. 
Um, I think they had a minor hit or two maybe on like alternative radio. Yeah. Um, but they were definitely most well known for the fact that uh, Keanu Reeves played bass. Keanu Reeves alert. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think we mentioned Keanu Reeves like five times during yeah. the whole course of this show. He's, he's a universal guy. You know? whoa, he appears whoa. everywhere. Yeah, cool. so they were around for about five or six years in the late 90s all the way till the early 90s. I think they released two albums. Um, I do vaguely remember one of their songs maybe being played on Triple J. Yeah. Um, if they didn't have Keanu Reeves in them, they wouldn't have gotten anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, they're of course. A, they're a garbage band. Yeah. They're terrible. <laughs> so was Keanu Reeves' vanity project, I guess you'd say? Um, I don't think it was. It wasn't like he was the mastermind. It's not like, say, Jared Leto and 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, whereas yeah. he is the, the band yeah. and the rest are just like fill-ins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it was a bit more collaborative because apparently uh, Robert um, recognized Keanu in a, in a shop he was just doing some shopping and he, he approached him and they just got talking and they both happened to mention that they wanted to form a band so yeah. i think it happened pretty organically nice and and keanu reeves like you know he was just a bass player in the back like he wasn't the main he wasn't the face of the band mm. so i don't think it was a vanity project but yeah. obviously having someone you know of his fame in the band is just going to naturally give you yeah um you know like some hype, I guess. Of course. And this was in the 90s when Keanu was starting to, you know, with Speed and mm. all those kind of movies he was starting. He wasn't... Like, The Matrix made him like an yeah. A-lister, but he was rising Yeah, he was up. still really well known. Yeah, he yeah. did Bill and Ted in the late 80s. Yeah. You know, he was coming up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, no, he still had a, a massive profile, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, what do you have about Robert? Well, with Robert, um, obviously, he's very... Uh, you know, he hasn't come out officially. I mm. think he's, you know... Uh, he hasn't come out to his parents, obviously to his boss. You know, his boss is, cons- which we'll talk about later, Mr. Stevenson. Mm. He's quite conservative. So, you know, Robert doesn't want to really come out because he's probably worried it'll uh, be a grounds to terminate his employment. Yeah. You know, because I don't think at the time there was really discrimination against that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, discrimination, as, in, like as prote- in unfair dismissal because of uh, Like to protect someone preference. from... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think there were those kind of protections yeah. maybe at the time. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I think he's he's a closet... Closet uh, homosexual. Mm. Um, yeah, he, he's. I think he's ex- like while he's accepting of his sexuality, I don't think he's quite ready to bring it out into the real world. Okay. Yeah, he's a very quiet guy. I think he's kind of he's a bit of an introvert as well. He doesn't mm. really, you know. Yeah, I guess he's not the stereotypical flamboyant gay no. man, is he? He's, he's a not, very he's not out and proud. No, he's not out and proud. No, no, he doesn't march in the the pride parades and stuff. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's just a very subdued guy. He gets on with his work. He seems like a good worker. You know, yeah. the boss seems to. You know, the fact that he got invited by the boss to the Met to see Swan Lake. Yeah, I guess you that, know, that would in that world that would be quite an honor. Yeah, it sounds like Mr. Stevenson really favors Rob in yeah. the company. You know, Robert seems to be a very model employee. Yeah, yeah. I I basically agree with what you're saying. Um, I, I I wouldn't go so far to say that he's a closet homosexual. I think you know his his social circle and maybe his family would know that he's gay. Oh, okay. but he's just not. Yeah. He's just not. You know, he just doesn't declare it openly. No, I think he's selective with who he talks about. Yeah. I mean, Elaine's not a terribly close friend, but she's aware he's gay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't think he's a hundred percent private, but definitely on the more conservative side in terms of you know putting that out there. Yeah, he's just worried that his sexuality might compromise the relationship that him and Mr. Stevenson have. For sure. Because you know? Stevenson, obviously, like I said, you know, really admires him and mm. obviously inviting him to the Met. That's yeah. like a big deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that made me think, I think at the moment, he is mostly focused on his career. The fact that he's willing to not declare a major part of who he is for the sake of, um, you know, basically keeping his job yeah. would make me think that at this, bo- at this moment in his life, his priority is his career. Like he's happy to 
put part of himself aside yeah. for the sake of not jeopardizing his professional life. Yeah. Something tells me he works in finance. He like does. Maybe, oh, he does. In Wall yeah. Street. Yeah, yeah he, he mentions, mentions it, yeah. yeah. He says oh, something yeah, yeah, to yeah. Jerry. He's like, uh, it's a really conservative firm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yes. and, that's and, right. and I'm pretty sure Elaine says that he's a banker. Oh, yeah, Wall Street, I think. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, so yeah. I'm pretty, he probably works for like a Goldman Sachs type, like One a really old there. conservative firm where, yeah. you know, the idea of not being sort of straight is a bit, yeah. you know, frowned upon a bit frowned upon yes yeah definitely yeah i i think you know being a banker for a for an old wall street firm as well i think he's pretty well off yeah you know definitely and just by the way he dresses you yeah know, he dresses in nice tuxedos definitely a tuxedo to swan lake and he dresses in suits you yeah know, he's very well off yeah it'd be cool if he just turned up in like thongs and pluggers yeah swan lake g'day <laughs> g'day mate what's going on yeah duck duck pond is that, is <laughs> that what this pond. one is <laughs> yeah yeah is that is that the one yeah by uh, by Shakov Shakovsko, Shivas Shavovsky, mate. Yeah, Shavovsky. Shavovsky, that you know that that Rusky. Yeah, mate. Yeah, that Rusky. Yeah. <laughs> Duck Pond. That's so good. Yeah, I know. Duck Pond. That should be our band. It's like a Duck grunge. Pond. Post grunge. Duck let's, Pond. Let's um let's form a, a dog star tribute band called Duck Pond. <laughs> Duck Pond. And if anyone asked where we got the name Duck Pond, we'd have to sit down and explain. Just listen to episode twenty nine of our studio. <laughs> podcast <laughs> Stupid. I can't, I can't. we have many subscribers who we love and adore thank you thank you for supporting us i'm just being self-deprecating oh you are yes. yep Correct. yep we're talking about forming a keanu reeves tribute <laughs> we're not taking ourselves too fucking seriously and our, see, our, and our title track will be send demons high school football rules that's it yeah that's uh all i really had about about robert robert yeah what i did think i mean lane elaine's very attractive you know, she's good looking, she's smart. She can convert a gay guy. She can convert that's a gay guy. guy. But that's not all her doing. Mm. Robert, you know, Robert is a participant in that decision. He makes a decision. So that would make me think that he maybe came out as well, you know, realized he was gay or came out as gay mm. a bit later in life. Maybe yeah, he'd, yeah. maybe he'd had, you know, in many women. Uh, yeah, like maybe he had a heterosexual part of his past. Yeah. Um because he, he didn't seem terribly uncomfortable with Elaine sort of proposing like, you know, come upstairs and yeah, change yeah. teams. Like So he's he's clearly done that before. Yeah, I yeah, think, yeah. you know, he's he's at least familiar with the idea of having sex with a, a woman. Yeah. You know, heterosexual sexuality yeah. for yeah, sure. Of course. Yeah. Cool. Um, That's a good point actually. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we should probably talk about Kathy. Kathy, yeah. Played by actress Kathleen Lanaza, if I pronounce that one correctly. Uh, she was formerly a ballet dancer and choreographer, and uh, she also married the late Dennis Hopper in 1989. Who's Dennis Hopper? Dennis Hopper is that American actor from, uh, what's that motorcycle movie? Easy Rider. Oh, from wow. From the 60s, yeah. And he was I in, love that movie. He was in Blue Velvet, I think. Was it the one? What was that one with uh, the David Lynch film in the 80s? I think it was Blue Velvet. I'm not sure. Like the villain. Uh, yeah, he was in plenty of things. He was in the shitty Super Mario Brothers movie. And he oh. was in Speed. He was the villain in Speed. He Holy was the bad shit, guy. he was too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. With Dennis Hopper, yeah. So, so Catherine married him in uh, 1989 and they had a son named Henry. They divorced in 1992 and in 1998 she married Third Rock from the Sun's French Steward. Oh, so yeah. not John Lithgow, but the, yeah. the, other, the other dude. The squinty-eyed squinty guy. squinty-eyed guy. Yeah, yeah, she married him. Oh, wow. Uh, she's known for Alfie, The Campaign, and Frozen Ground. Yep. Yeah. Huh. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I read that too. I was like, Dennis Hopper. I was like, shit. Yeah. Crazy. And had a son together. Love that guy. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. dude. Indeed. Mm. Same with uh, Tchaikovsky. Yeah. Opera Tchaikovsky. 200 years too soon. <laughs> too soon, They all mate. go too young. Too soon. This is, this is just turning into a tribute episode uh, for we, people we, who are, aren't alive anymore. We have to make our own, you know, version of Swan Lake, Duck Pond. Duck Pond. Uh, yeah, as a tribute to Tchaikovsky, <laughs> the legend of Tchaikovsky. 
<laughs> of Shiko. We've got to do it for Shiko. Shike dog. Shike dog. We have to. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going nuts today? I have no idea. I have no idea either. So, Kathy, uh, first thing I noticed is that she has a really good sense of humor. Like, yeah. she, a lot of her, 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 um, her dialogue is sort of flirtation mm. with, uh, with Jerry. I think she'd be one of those cops where, if, say, you know, they pulled you over, you know, mm. for speeding or maybe checking your license or whatever, she'd probably be pretty humorous about it. Yeah. She'd be like, oh, how's your day, guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I d- too. Oh, what's that in your pocket? Oh, just kidding. Gifts uh, to license, you know. Yeah, I, I know. think she'd be pretty um, light-hearted, but yeah. I still think she would take a job very seriously. Oh, she should. Yeah, especially in New York. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Have to. I I did a bit of research and uh, I paused a scene as I like to do, and she's wearing the uh, emblem. I mm. guess you would call sergeant, it. Sergeant. Yeah. Sergeant. Yeah. So she's a sergeant. Which I um, think takes what a couple of years to become I'm, sergeant. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if it's based on time or right. achievement or merit or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's probably a factor, uh, a combination of all those factors. Yeah. 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 And apparently, at the time in New York, a sergeant would be responsible for uh, patrol officers. So she would oversee like beat cops, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it would be more of an administrative and super supervisory sort of role. Yeah. So she'd yeah. You can do see a lot she's of paperwork. in the all the time. Yeah. Like more of an operational role rather yeah. than you know out on the on streets. The beat dealing with thugs and bad guys and stuff yeah yeah um and i think you know she whether she's a beat cop or whether she's in more of the the paperworky side of it yeah i think she takes her job really seriously i think she does too and especially uh she clearly is a fan of melrose place definitely and she screens you know potential suitors to see if they like melrose place Mm. i think she's one of those people who loves to stay home Okay. And she probably likes watching Melrose Place. Bit of a homebody. Yeah. And she wants to find a guy to watch Melrose Place with and who actually enjoys it, not just like, oh, God, yeah. I can handle this. Yeah. Jerry Jerry sort of shot himself in the foot. He thought that by saying that he doesn't know what Melrose Place is, he would be saving face. He would be saving embarrassment. Like, oh, maybe like guys don't watch Melrose Place. Like, that's a girl show or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it'd be something like but, that. Yeah, but just really, to save face. Yeah. And he could have had a beautiful girlfriend for a he, long time. He could have. They could have hit it off. Yeah. And that would have been, been the, that could have been the series finale. Yeah. Jerry finds better than the actual finale. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we talked about before. I know. Yeah. 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 Imagine that as a finale. Like, just the ending scene is just them watching Melrose Place. Yeah. Yeah. Or like in 1999, like they go out and buy the DVDs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's I'd I'd probably rate that higher than yeah. them going to jail for I a year. Think, I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, one day we will be doing the finale. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think it'll be our last ever Big Boy Basket episode. We could probably do it. Yeah. You know, this season or next or one after. Or most of this is unplanned, so yeah. we'll figure it out. Or if you want, go. yeah. Or if you want the finale, if you want us to dissect this, well, the secondary characters, the new ones from the finale, not the. You know, it's like the all stars with Jackie Charles and all Mm. that. Now, we wouldn't talk about them, but Mm. you know, if you want us to do the finale, let us know. Yeah, yeah, we can always do that sooner, indeed. Yeah, I noticed as well that, and this kind of goes back into the idea of her taking a job very seriously. I think people perceive her as a really competent, really good cop, and she has a lot of respect in the the 10th precinct, which is where she works. Yeah, because when uh, Jerry sort of flips out and 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 runs out of the um. Out of the office, the polygraph, yeah, yeah, polygraph and um, and Lou, uh, sorry, Gus, who we'll talk about, he's the the polygraph uh, specialist, I guess you call him. Yeah, um, he looks straight at her, and she's shaking her head in embarrassment. So I think she feels embarrassed that she brought this guy in, not knowing that he'd react like that mm. when he, you know, was under pressure. And I think that that would, I don't think she'd appreciate, you know, how that would make her feel, and people would maybe look on her you know, judge her a bit. Yeah. She'd feel a bit embarrassed and self-conscious, mm-hmm. you know, because she's responsible for bringing this, like, petulant, obnoxious idiot <laughs> who storms out and makes a bit of a scene. Exactly. When yeah. Sure it's not necessary. Yeah, she, I think... He makes a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and also, I one thing that made me think in terms of, like, her... You know, because she's quite young. I think she's probably younger than most sergeants. 
Um, yeah, yeah, she is quite young actually, probably yeah. in her thirties. Yeah, yeah, like late twenties, early thirties. Yeah, yeah, I think I think she's very career focused, and when she's sort of joking about Melrose Place with Jerry, and he says, "Oh no, no, I don't know anything about it," straight away she's onto his lies. She, yeah, she can pick up the fact that he's he's full of full of shit in that moment. Yeah. And that would make me think that maybe she's like honing her detective skills. Maybe she's, you know, she's got a sight set on becoming a detective. A detective, yeah. So she's using her investigative skills yeah, to kind of yeah. refine her uh, her abilities so she can get promoted. Yeah. yeah like yeah. She, she, she can be a super she, sleuth. Yeah. She concentrates on Jerry's reaction to the idea of watching Melrose Place and she doesn't really let it go. <laughs> and straight away she's like, let's put him on the, uh, on the lighter detector. On the polygraph. Yeah. So I, th- I, think, I think she's uh, very inquisitive and she's trying to hone those skills. And even George says you can't lie on a polygraph. No. And he says to, he gives one uh, one last bit of sage advice to Jerry. It's not a lie if you believe it. I love Jerry's like contemplative look when he's, uh, like, when oh, he's yeah, considering that. True, he's like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. He fails. He's not oh, George. Nah, <laughs> he's not George. <laughs> I like how Jerry kind of you know compliments him. Like normally yeah, he talks him up. Yeah, he's like, there's like, only someone one of like... the most like duplicitous, yeah, you know, deceptive, <laughs> deceitful minds of our time. Yeah, <laughs> like that's he's right. this great person. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Well, credit where credit's due. Where, where credit's due. At least <laughs> George is good at something. That's but, it. That's yeah. it. The next character I think we should talk about is probably the Homeless Man. Homeless Man, played by John Grease. He's credited as Jonathan Grease in this episode. Known for Taken, Napoleon Dynamite, and Man in Black, Black. Yeah. I, I didn't realise that he was the, uh, the the creepy, weird uncle in Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. He's a total pest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. He was also in Get Shorty as well. Oh, yeah. I love that film. Oh, me too. And also... Uh, uh, all three Taken movies. Yep, one, two, and three. Yeah, that got worse and worse as they went on. Yeah, I know. Liam yep. Neeson can only do so much. No, he can only do. Yeah, he can only like you know fight so many. I think they're Bosnian or Serbian or something. Yeah, yeah. And did you see that they had a YouTube video where they showed how many edits? Because there's a scene where Liam Neeson jumps a jumps a fence. Okay. And there's like thirty edits. What? You know, it's like the first shot is him running to the gate, mm. and then the second edit is him jumping on the gate, right. and then there's like a stunt man. You know, which kind of goes on the top of the gate, but it's like 30, 30 cuts. Wow. So you probably have like boxes underneath them, you know, step by step. Because mm. Liam Neeson's probably not that fit to, yeah, you know, do his do, do sixties or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like, all right, we'll do it one step at a time, and we'll just do like 30, it's like thirty edits in that one sequence. And they smash all those cuts together yeah. to create that scene. <laughs> yeah, oh, but it looks it looks very jagged, you know. When yeah, you're like oh, that's that's like some Michael Bay shit. Where yeah, you, like you just show the like the, the the same thing like from nine different angles. Yeah, I know, I know, oh, weird, huh? That's that's pretty terrible. Mm. Taking three is pretty bad yeah it is anyway. anyway homeless man yeah so with him uh you know very grateful when people help him you know give mm. him food and stuff he's very grateful to kramer but he loves the tupperware container for some reason yeah i i initially i thought he's a bit of a jerk like mm. you know i think i think kramer's right there is an understanding when it comes to tupperware it's like <sighs> i give you a tupperware container full of food yeah and you know there's I a, there's a, there's a built-in it. social contract yeah i i get it i you expect know. the container in return yeah, we're recording at Ivan's house. If I brought over some, I'm like, hey, I cooked this food and there's some leftovers. Have have this food for dinner tomorrow. And you were like, yeah, cool. The next time I come around, the expectation, unspoken, yeah. would be that I get the Tupperware back. And I would make sure that the Tupperware is washed and dried. Yep. And everything, it's like brand new. Yep. I just give it to you. I'd even yep. put it in a plastic bag. Yep. And, it, and if you forgot yeah. and I said, hey, man, where's my Tupperware? And you were like, oh, yeah, cool. Sorry, it's in the kitchen. Like, yeah. there'd be no objection to me asking no, for it back. Of course not. So initially, I'm like, this guy's a bit of a jerk. He's, <laughs> he's breaking very, very well-established social contracts. He sure is. Yeah. Yeah. But then I thought, well, hang on. He is homeless. You know, maybe maybe Tupperware is like gold to him. Maybe you can use it as a drum, like a yeah. bongo to get money. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm. You know, not not everyone has the privilege of of a cupboard full of Tupperware. So yeah. it's a prized possession. So 
you know, you've got to give him that, I guess. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, and I think he's a bit of an opportunist as well. He sure know. is, and especially when he sees George's toupee line yeah. on, the, on the sidewalk, he just picks it up and yeah. wears it like it's nothing. He's like, oh, cool. Yeah. It actually looks good on him. Yeah, it looks <laughs> better than him nice, than it does on George. Yeah, nice slick look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he turns into an arrogant, like, shithead like George does when he, you know, when he walks in. He's like, just the, the, that, like, smug look on his face. Yeah. Oh, it's just, oh, it's just the worst. Yeah. So it would, you know what would have been, been a really good twist? Mm. If the homeless man at the end credits was, like, a rich businessman. You know, uh, he got, like, a job and he had, like, a nice... He looked like Robert. Yeah. You know, he got, like, an Armani suit and yeah. glasses. Like, and that toupee was just the, you know, like, the, the trigger for, like, a, an ascension into, like, a good life or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would have been fantastic. That would have been cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it would have been cool if, like, he, he went for an interview at, at the same uh, firm that Robert works at or something and he got the job <laughs> or, you know, like, it just it just improved his life in every way. And maybe he met a girl yep. at the jewel. You know, he met a girl and was going to go to the jewelry store to get a gift. Um, uh, or maybe maybe he um he he starts dating Kathy. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh. That toupee, it's uh, it's got a lot of potential. Touche. Touche. Uh, <laughs> full of the puns. I am. I'm yeah. a punny guy. <laughs> Indeed. I didn't have Duck anything else. Pond the musical. <laughs> Duck tickets pop. from thirty dollars. <laughs> I don't know. How many tickets have we sold? None. None. Not surprisingly. If you're from overseas, come to Melbourne, Australia. Mm, Culture capital of Australia. Some would say, you know, one of the culture capitals of the world. Yeah. Due to fuckwits like us making up... Shit. Keanu Reeves tribute musicals called Duck Pond. Pond. I have no idea what's going on. Tchaikovsky and Keanu Reeves. (laughs) Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Whoa. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Did you have anything else about the homeless man? that was it for me. Let's have a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk about Mr. and Mrs. Stevenson and your man, Gus. Yep. And Uh, Denise. And Denise as well. You're on But I Don't Want to Be, a secondary character, and we're talking about the beard. What's your name? Jerry Seinfeld. What is your address? 129 West 81st Street. Did Kimberly steal Joe's baby? I don't know. Did Billy sleep with Alice's best friend? I don't know. Did Jane's fiance kidnap Sydney and take her to Las Vegas? And if so, did she enjoy it? I don't know. Did Jane sleep with Michael again? Yes! Yes, that stupid idiot! He left her for Kimberly! He slept with her sister! He tricked her into giving him half her business and then she goes ahead and sleeps with him again! I mean, she's crazy! How could she do something like that? I mean, that Jane, that would just make me so mad! Welcome back to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. My name's Ivan and I'm with my buddy Stephen. Hey. And this is our 29th episode overall. It is season 2 of Bidwabask and we're talking about season 6, episode 16, The Beard. Yes, we are. Yes, and the secondary characters that make it an awesome episode. Yeah, no, it is a really good episode. Underrated. Yeah. Underrated, yeah. So we've spoken so far about Robert, uh, the homeless man, and Kathy, Jerry's episode girlfriend. Yes. Yes. And right now we're going to talk about Mr. and Mrs. Stevenson. This is Robert's boss and Robert's boss's wife. Hmm. Uh, so Mr. Stevenson was played by Edward Winter. He's credited in this episode as Ed Winter, known for The Parallax View and Porky's 2 The Next Day. Apparently he was a regular in MASH as well. In MASH, yes, he was. Hmm. I read that Colonel too. Colonel Flag. Colonel Flag. And uh, he passed away on March 8th, 2001. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Stevenson was played by film, TV and theatre actress Georgianne Johnson, and she's known for Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman, all My Children, and she appeared in the 1969 film Midnight Cowboy. Okay. Everybody's talking about me. 
good John film. Voight and Dustin Hoffman. Mm. Yeah, good one. Classic. Classic, yeah. So Mr. and Mrs. Stevenson, clearly uh, we mentioned before that Robert probably works at like a Goldman Sachs or one of those conservative you know firms finance mm. firms on wall street or whatever mm. i think mr and mrs stevenson clearly um you know republican voters you know they're probably donors they donate to the republican party yeah definitely um, conservatively minded conservatively minded yeah and obviously um he adores robert he thinks robert's a great worker probably you know, probably sees him as some sort of son maybe or maybe his successor yeah you know or maybe yep. if he's like the CEO or whatever, he'll probably yeah, I groom did, him to, to up to promote him. I did make a note that um, at the very least, he's, uh, he's he would be at least a senior executive. Yeah, of if course. not if not part of the uh, part of the board, upper management or mm, board. Yeah, mm, definitely. So I think he's probably grooming him. Yep, that's why he's being invited to the Met mm, to mm. go see yep. Duck Pond, aka yep. Swan Lake. Duck Pond. <laughs> Duck Pond. I love that. Oh, fantastic. We got to make Pond. it into Duck yeah. Pond. Goose River. Goose River. Oh, <laughs> I like Duck Pond better. Yeah. 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 It's a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mrs. Stevenson, you know, she's just a conservative lady as well. Mm-hmm. You know, grown up with both grown up with privilege, you know, private mm-hmm. schools, mm-hmm. you know, colleges, yep. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I reckon yeah. they probably met at, you know, maybe Harvard or Yale or something. You know, mm. I think they're both matriculated from, from, from an Ivy League college yeah. and, you know, walked into a really high paying, cushy wall street job possibly mr stevenson possibly served during world war ii okay or maybe vietnam mm-hmm. uh yeah he's, he's about the age yeah that's so true he would have gone to vietnam he was probably a, a soldier mm-hmm. you know one would imagine mm. uh yeah okay yeah that's what i had from him yeah i didn't really have anything because they're yeah. only in one scene that's right yeah yeah but they, they do just enough yeah i think maybe they're a bit um sheltered as well if they can't yeah even get an inkling Oh, sorry. They do have an inkling that that um, that Robert's gay mm. because you know they're like Elaine makes claims of him, you know, having a lot of relations with a lot of women. Yeah, and they're sort of like, really? Yeah, okay. <laughs> they probably never seen him with a girlfriend. Mm, and it's like, that's oh, true. He's just alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just a workaholic. There Doesn't have time for a relationship. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. you've got two more characters. Yeah. So I have a bit of information uh, on Denise, who is uh, Kramer's implied former love interest and uh george's potential love interest in this episode so uh she denise is played by uh joan uh schneckel yeah i think oh sorry schneckel yeah yeah um she hasn't acted much in her life she's only got six credits on Mm. imdb yeah i noticed that too yeah yeah so she's more of a uh, uh like a consultant and interestingly she came up with a i i found it hard to figure out what it was but i think what it is is a way to write movies um, right. She calls it the technique, capitalize the technique. Mm-hmm. And in the sort of, I guess you would say, press release or like blurb about what the technique is, it's described as a revolutionary new approach to writing, directing, and acting craft, which takes on Hollywood's uh, outmoded story, sorry, outdated story models and asks, what happens when we take all the fighting and all of the fucking out? Uh, <laughs> it says uh, Joan who again is the actress questions our addictions to conflict based narratives and instead reveals a new paradigm for, t- uh, for storytelling mm. that embraces action feeling and meaning so I think it's it's like a, a, a an approach to writing yeah. you know film and TV uh, you know that goes against a lot of the common tropes that you would see mm. um, and she's actually been really successful with this model she is credited sort of as a consultant on more than 80 productions TVs uh, TV shows and movies yeah um, you know and the writers of those projects have all adopted the technique um, as the their technique, technique. yeah so like an interesting little tidbit um, the character though Denise uh, I theorize that because Kramer says you know he he um, he remembers her that she's moving to New York. Yeah. When uh, when he's very impressed with 
George's uh, toupee. Yes. And he says, oh, I know this beautiful woman moving to New York. And, you know, he, she, she asked if I knew anyone. I theorized that they met in California. Okay, yeah. When, uh, when, when Kramer he, was when out he there went over for the season trip. Season three, yeah. Yep, yep. At the end of season three. Yep, yep. yep. Oh, oh, yeah, that's true, actually. I, I didn't think of that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And because she's bald, I don't think she's deliberately bald because when, when you see her... Her, her head yeah it doesn't look like she shaves her head it looks no. like she's lost her hair of course in, in for some reason maybe she had cancer or something yeah or leukemia or yeah something like that yeah some, something has happened whether it's just her her aging or whatever to for her to lose her hair yeah george is so self-centered that mm. he thinks oh she's just bald mm. but she doesn't know why. i like how george thinks of himself as not bald anymore just because he's wearing, he's a, wearing toupee. a toupee it's like, yeah that doesn't cure baldness and then it's elaine just... says you see the irony in all this yeah you're, you're bald you're bald <laughs> correction I, I was bald. and then he touches elaine's nose he's like i was bald uh, and then elaine that cracks she's like that's yeah, it she snaps she snaps i don't blame her yeah yeah that's it. it's just how smug he is in this video I don't like this. And this is what I'm doing with it. it. No. (laughs) Throws it out the window. And then I like how George sort of like comes to is like, you know, I didn't know who I was anymore. (laughs) I feel, you know, I'm like insecure. Pathetic. Pathetic. (laughs) And Jerry's like, good to have you back. Good to have you back. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) So good. Yeah. 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 So I I theorize that Kramer knew her from uh, from LA when when he was out there Mm. trying to make it. And around that time is maybe when her hair started you know, when she started losing her hair. Yeah, yeah. Because Kramer doesn't, you know, when she comes to New York and, and George reveals that she's bald, Kramer isn't Kramer aware of know, it. Kramer yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she either lost it around that time yep. or just after that. Yeah, just after, yeah. You know, and that was, I guess, two and a half years. Yeah, yeah, if you season treat, three. Yeah, yeah, season the end of season three, and this is halfway oh, no, through season, season four, six. sorry, season four. Well, yeah, the end of season three, start of season, season four. four. Yeah, that's yeah. It. yeah. So two and a half years ago in, I guess, Seinfeld universe, real time. True, true. And I think that that base you know that heavily impacted her her acting career and i think she kind of gave up you know because hollywood is known for being pretty superficial and having yeah. really high beauty standards and spitting people out and whatnot i reckon she came to new york for a fresh start yeah i think you know, so too. she she was just rejected too many times because of her hair loss and yeah she, she kramer was the only person she knew in new york so she called out mm-hmm. she reached out to him yeah and said you know do you know anyone just to sort of you know get a foot in in new york head to new york exactly hmm um, Interesting. Yeah, and I yeah I I think she moved there just to sort of whether it was to restart her acting career because I guess New York's more like theatre based maybe a bit less superficial. It's probably course. like more yeah. art like experimental art where yeah how avant-garde. you look yeah how you look matters less than you know how good of a, an actor or actress yeah because Los Angeles can be very fake yeah people people are what they seem or mm. not you know they pretend to be what they're not yeah yeah i think image and looks are more important in la than maybe new york or something like that so maybe that's what motivated her to go there like oh, i remember i know this guy kramer i'll go there fresh start all that sort of stuff yeah yeah and i, I wanted to know as well why would she reject george i don't think she rejected him because he was bald i think she just rejected him because he lied to her yeah exactly. you know he 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 doesn't disclose that he's bald and he's wearing a toupee hmm. he leads her to believe that that is his natural hair yeah and then later on, you know, she obviously finds out that yeah. uh, she's that he's bald, and the, and because she's bald, she, yeah. uh, she sees the irony in it, and so does yeah. Elaine. But George doesn't. Yeah, and yeah. I don't. I think if if George either turned up bald to their first date or revealed that he's bald and he just wears a toupee because it gives him confidence, would have been fine. She was like, okay, cool, good on you. Like she would have been a pretty lady too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I really like Denise. Yeah, um, she's good. yeah, and I hope that she you know, made it in New York. I hope she did too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And uh, Gus, our final mate. Uh, Gus, second last. The second last, the polygraph 
dude. Yeah, so the official title for someone who does what he does is a polygraph examiner. Nice. Yep. So, uh, do you have anything on Gus? No, well, I, I think he's played by an actor called John O'Donoghue. Yep. Yes, and that's all I have. Yep, and he was actually a former cop. Um, yeah. He was in the NYPD for about 20 years. John uh, F. O'Donoghue. Yes, yep. and he was known... He loves loves cop roles. He was known <laughs> mostly known for a role in NYPD Blue. He looks like a cop guy. He, oh, he does. He? he looks like a real. He cop. looks like an old old school detective. Yeah, like some actors just they look like cops. Mm, like yeah. you know, old weathered cops. Yeah, we've seen it all. Yeah, detectives. Definitely, yeah. he's got yeah. the voice. He's got the manner. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like he'd be on America's Most Wanted oh, for sure. tonight on America's Most Wanted. Yeah, definitely. Yep. He, Did Kimberly um, sleep with Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> Um, he's also known for, for acting in As Good As It Gets, a really good movie. Yeah, that is a very good movie. And The Cable Guy, another underrated movie. Yeah, that's right. Really good. Yeah. So what I had about Gus was that, you know, obviously, old school cop. I think he was a lifer. He probably, you know, finished high school, probably even dropped out, and he went straight to the academy. He's working class. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised if his dad was a cop. Yeah. And it's just sort of, it was expected of him. Like, I'm a cop. You're a cop. Yeah. what we do. We're a cop family. We're a cop family. <laughs> yep. Blue collar. Um, smoke cigars at work. Oh, yeah. You know, even in the mid-90s where smoking was still allowed in most buildings and, and sort of public spaces. Clearly, you could smoke at the station. Yeah. Mm. It sucks down fucking cigars. <laughs> like, not? he doesn't give a shit. Nah. He's just like, whatever. He's loving life. Yeah. I <laughs> I I think he's a bit of a, like a hard man as well. Oh, like sure a, Like is. a man's man. Yeah. But I don't think he's like you know misogynist or sexist no, or whatever. No, no. He's just very, very staunch, very masculine. Yep, definitely. Rip, yep. Rip. Um, I also theorize that he might have been a former detective or yep. someone high up in 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 the in the force. Mm-hmm. And he he always sort of he never really like he was like a square peg in a round hole. Like yeah. He always he, never he always like bent the rules yeah, and like yeah. stepped over the line. Mm. And you know that caused a bit of tension maybe with the precinct chief. Yeah. And he was. Rather than be fired, he was given the opportunity to stay in the force, but he had more of a an administrative office role, being mm. a, a polygraph examiner. Yeah. And that was his sort of like, well, we don't want to fire you, but, you know, we can't keep you on as a, as a, as a detective because you're just, you know, making too many, not making mistakes, but you're intentionally doing the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that was his, uh, you know, that was the compromise that was offered to him and he took it. And he took it. And yeah. he's obviously, Cathy uh, Tim played at the questions. <laughs> yes. Gus didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he knows a thing about Melrose Place. It's nah. just reading verbatim just what's verbatim. written down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the way he reads it, just, oh, I love it's it so good. much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really like him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the final character we'll talk about is Lou. Played the, by Jerry Diner. That's right. Um, he is really well known for doing some voice work in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Nice. Um, not much else. A few credits, but nothing uh, of uh, a special uh, note. Of note, no. Yeah. Do you have anything about Lou? Um, not really. I guess he's just a sketch artist. Mm. Clearly, obviously, you know, he's a he was probably a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe for a newspaper or a high school college paper or something. And then yep. He got into police sketching. Hmm. You know, I think he does a bit of work on the side. He could be a graphic designer as well or something like that. I was going to say... He I, does his own works. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, uh, I did a bit of research again, and apparently most sketch artists aren't formally employed by police departments. They're like casual workers yeah, or contractors yeah, or something. Yeah, like yeah. exactly. Yeah. They're sort of paid by the hour as yeah. they're needed because it's a specialist skill. Yeah. Um, you know, and if, if nothing's happening, you're just going to be sitting around getting paid for doing nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I thought maybe he's like a... Yeah, he's trying to make it as an artist and this is just... Could that be his second job maybe? Or would that yeah. be his I think main job? The sketch artist? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, either one would be feasible, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Either way, he's got... You know, it's not his full-time gig. Yeah. He's got something else going on. Something on going on. Or, or he's aspiring to do something. Exactly. Yeah. 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 
Um, and he's a really, really good illustrator. Oh, he is, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's really good. The, 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 the eyes need to be, uh, what, what's that shape of the nut? Almonds. Almonds. Yeah, yeah. Almonds. Yeah, almonds. Almonds. <laughs> um, uh, the lips need to be more pouty. pouty. Oh, pouty. I love, oh, pouty. I love, I love pouty. pouty. George, I love like, pouty George is licking his lips excited. like, I love pouty. Yeah. Mm. Um, the only other thing that I had was that I think he plays sax in a cool jazz band. What makes you say that? Just his shirt. Okay, well, because you, you look at all these nuances in the episode, I mm. don't, I just watch it a couple of times, like yeah. I mentioned last week, I just watch it a couple of times and I take notes and that was it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I just, I, 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 I did one of my, um, my pauses to sort of look at, you know, what was going on, yeah. and he was just wearing this shirt, and I just, the, the first image that came to mind was him just playing, you know, like in a, in a smoky sort of jazz bar Den, playing yeah. saxophone nice yep so that's what he does <laughs> that's what he Lou does. the sax player and nice. the sketch artist interesting dude interesting dude good on you Lou that's it yeah. and uh, that's all I had uh, yeah cool and that's all the secondary characters for the beard season 6 episode 16 now Stephen I don't have any Seinfeldisms this week neither do I neither do you my first uh, non-Seinfeldism week in a long long time yeah it's a shame mm. if you have a Seinfeldism keep in touch with us we're at Bidwabask on socials B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C and we have a website as well, bidwabast.com. Yeah. An email address, bidwabastpodcast at gmail.com. Com, that's right. And uh, Seinfeldism is any real life experience where it's referenced in Seinfeld. Yeah. Or anything to do with Seinfeld at all. Any Seinfeld, any real world Seinfeld related thing. Are you a beard or do you have a beard mm. to hide your infidelity or your sexual orientation? Yeah. Let us know. I don't know if they even exist anymore. You know, because society is so open now, mm. you know, you think they wouldn't exist. I'm sure in some situations people would still feel like yeah. they can't, you know, come out. Yeah. And they would need a pretend girlfriend mm-hmm. or wife to, you know, to keep up appearances exactly well tell yeah. us if you're a beard yeah or if you hang out with a beard yeah or if you know <laughs> anyone who has been a beard indeed yeah now every week we talk about our top 10 secondary characters so characters which we've reviewed on Bibbabas so far and we also mention where the current week's episode sits in our overall episodes between Stephen and myself uh, for me Stephen no characters from the beard make my top 10 uh, I mentioned in last week's episode my top 10 so i won't repeat them again you yep. can just listen to last week's episode the wife and mm-hmm. uh, i mentioned the top 10 okay yes uh, how about you buddy yeah i've got a, a fresh appearance so hey, yeah. lou oh uh, lou. sorry oh gus oh gus the polygraph examiner that's right yeah he comes in at number 10 oh he just he made pushes out sid fields from the old man oh sid fields oh, he's sitting at sitting uh, at number 10 oh man yeah so number nine number nine george's yep. parents uh, from our 10th ever episode, What's to Deal with the Seinfeld Parents. Yes. Harold Manny from episode 8, The Apartment. Susan Ross from our first ever What's to Deal with episode. Uh, Sue Ellen Mishke from our latest What's to Deal with episode. Spot on. Um, and Celia, who is Jerry's episode girlfriend in the Merv Griffin show. Yeah. The record store owner from our second ever episode, The Old Man. Jane, uh, George's girlfriend in the Hamptons. Nice. Uh, Street Toughs, Bob and Cedric from our first ever episode, The Soup Nazi, and Alton Bennis, Elaine's father, again from our second ever What to Do With uh, episode. Master uh, of the House. Master of the House. Yes. Pipe down, choir boy. Pipe down, choir boy. <laughs> <laughs> that was episode 10 of season one. We exactly. talked about the Seinfeld parents. Yeah, my parents came along and had a, had a, had a hang and a yarn. A hang and a yarn, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was. Yes. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Vera. Hello. Nice to see you. Nice mm. to hear from you. <laughs> so where does this episode sit in your list? Number 12. Okay. For me, out of 24 we've done. So at the halfway point, it's in the top 12 out of 24. Okay. So, uh, yeah, pretty good episode. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, mm. The plot was great. I loved how Elaine had the main story. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's refreshing. Usually it's Jerry or George that yep. have the main plot, but I'm glad Elaine had it. Yeah. It was nice to see her 
you know, come out on top. Definitely. This one. It was very nice and it was good. <laughs> came out on top. <laughs> you know what I mean. I do. <laughs> I'm sure she came out on top. Oh, no. I'm sure she came on top. Oh. Came out on top. Anyway, this is anyway. a bit of a fast. <laughs> Am I and allowed to say where the episode came in my list? Yeah. <laughs> where it came? Yes, yeah. you can. <laughs> it didn't come on top of my list. I'm sure. Where, where did it turn up for you? <laughs> Number 16. Ah, 16. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So basically what you said, I, I really liked it. Not not top 10 material, but yeah, solid episode. Solid, yes. Yeah. The last few episodes I've noticed have been a bit patchy where the really good stuff is really great. Yeah. And there seems to be a bit of filler. Whereas this episode, the highs weren't as high, Yeah. Um, but more consistent. Like every scene seemed like it should be there. It worked, yeah. Yeah. It worked and, really well. Yeah. And it was a good mix of weird storylines and it all kind of came together in a way at the end. Yeah. Especially the last scene where they're all, um, well, the last scene before the credits where they're all just watching TV. Yeah. Um, they're all watching Melrose Place. I thought that was a nice tie-in. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, I still don't know if it's an NBC show or not. I no. I checked. Yeah. We'll, we'll check. You know, we've got a week to check and we'll talk about it next week. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the, our top tens, you can listen to previous episodes. Uh, they haven't changed to me and for you, they're still the same. Exactly. So speaking of next week, where it's our sixth ever What's to Deal with episode, and we're going to talk about the Yankee staff. That's right. We're going to talk about Wilhelm Steinbrenner, Morgan, any others? I think George's secretary. Yep. We'll talk about her. Yeah, there'll well. be a few miscellaneous characters that come up. There will be which a lot will be of episodes great. to watch. Oh boy, but it's always fun. <laughs> oh, it's always good. So the Yankee staff. What's the deal with the Yankee staff? Indeed. That'll be so fun. we hope that you join us next week. But thank you for listening this week. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, as we mentioned before, you can catch us on the main socials at bidwbasc. Yep. And uh, you can say hello uh, via email at biblebaskpodcast uh, at gmail.com. We've got a website, biblebask.com. And we are available for listening, streaming, uh, subscribing and commenting and reviewing all of the ings. The ings. Uh, on iTunes and wherever else you get your podcasts. So, yes, yeah. yes. And if you send us any fan mail, we always respond back. Yep. So don't think, oh, these guys won't answer. We do. Yeah. So send us something. We'd love to hear from you. Indeed. All right. My name's Ivan. I'm Stephen. We'll see you next week at the Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Thank you.